0: Thank you for listening to our New Life Christian Center podcast. Stay tuned after the sermon for more ways to connect with us. Turn in your Bibles, if you would, to the book of John, chapter 4. We've been teaching over the last several weeks uh, a message entitled Harvest Time Faith. The idea is that God gives us the gift of faith for the things that He designed in salvation. And then He expects us to exercise our faith when He shows us what His intent is on the earth, or literally from heaven to earth. And so what we're talking about here is this harvest time faith that... And it's a, it's a term that I've coined. I don't know if anybody else has said it this way. And I don't really care if they have. I'm not trying to steal it, nor am I trying to get any glory for, for coining a word. I make up words all the time. And, and uh, occasionally some of you call me on it and, and tell me. I always, I always appreciate that. Kind of. <laughs> Notice in verse 35 of chapter 4, John. Do you see it? We've been using it for weeks. Do not say there are still four months and then comes the harvest. Remember, they had a physical understanding of the way this worked. In fact, historians and Bible scholars will tell us a particular day that that this could have been set on based on what's happening in context around it. And so it was not harvest time. What he was trying to get us to do, what he was trying to show us is that spiritually there's a perspective that we have to buy into, that we have to process that we can see differently without being affected so uh, 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 powerfully by what's going on around us. So he says, don't say that there's still four months and then comes the harvest. Behold, I say to you, lift up your eyes. He tells us what to do. Remember, if you're looking this way across the horizon, you can look out and see the, the cycle of harvest, the natural things that he might be trying to get our perspective off of. And he wants you to lift up your eyes and see a different harvest. He says, lift up your eyes and look at the fields for they are already white for harvest. Now, I contend that throughout church history that God has done this kind of revelation The reason there have been changes in the church, the reason that we have all the different denominations and some of the other stuff is that at one point or another, somebody saw something, experienced something, grabbed a hold of something that God was saying. You know, Martin Luther was kind of the first one. And and we had the the Catholic Church. We only had the Catholic Church. And he, he, he... saw the works-based theology that was being preached and you know you climbed the 95 steps or whatever it was to go up to the to the temple and he climbed that 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 those steps and, and pounded his declaration uh, with a nail into the door of the church and that started the protestant reformation that started this historical change and he said it's by faith in jesus christ alone that we're saved without that message we'd still try to be working our way into heaven it's a significant message. And throughout history, if you study any church history, you can find these people. And, and by the way, I've, I've studied some of that. And I will tell you that, that, you know, the first one started in like 1500s or whatever. And, and then the 1700s and then the, the middle 1800s and then the late 1800s and then the early 1900s. And then when 1940, late 1930, 1940 came around, about every 10 years, God seemed to pour out a specific revelation he says, here's what I'm doing. If you can see that with me, he's accelerating the promise of spiritual harvest to us. And Jesus said in John chapter 16, he said, I have a lot of things to say to you, but you cannot bear them now. He gives an, an imperative statement that right now, the capacity that you have will not allow you to bear up or to carry into your future what I want to say to you. I contend that God does that all the time. And occasionally we don't hear it because we know we can't carry it. We know. You know, I told you the story about two of my friends that could lift uh, big barrels of oil. But I know I can't lift that, that, that big barrel of oil out of the back of a pickup. I know I can't. I won't, I won't even try. Because I'm focused on my own limitations. But when you lift your eyes up, you'll see that what is impossible for men is now possible for God. You have to come to the end of yourself before you'll accept the possibilities of God. So what makes this message really awkward and difficult is God expands your your capacity when you recognize you're at the end of yourself in the circumstance you're going through. See, it's so ugly. you just sitting there. I mean, you all follow me. We've lived, we live transparently in front of you. This is the second go go-round with our daughter-in-law having cancer. We get to go there. We get to look at those things. And you just at times, I mean, you saw them here two or three weeks ago, and, and they look awesome. But every week, they fight the battle. Every week, you've got to take your eyes off of what you can see in the natural and place them on the possibilities of God. And in the middle of those things, God will increase your capacity. See, he doesn't increase your capacity when you're, when you're just cruising in life. You need more capacity to carry what God tells you in the midst of the difficulty that you have so that you can share it with power and authority the next time it comes up in the circumstance you're living in for someone else. We've been through some of the things. You all have been through some of the things in your life that you've been through. So that when it comes up the next time, you can share that with somebody with a level of power and authority that you learned in the midst of what you were going through. God increases your capacity when you're going through something. So stop telling him you can't handle it anymore. You can handle it or you wouldn't be in it. God has such a... You know what the Bible says? Don't think more highly of yourself than you ought. I'm all on that one. I don't think you should. But dear God, can you please think as high of yourself as God thinks of you? I mean, don't, don't, well, I'm just a wretched worm crawling through the cesspool of sin in this world and I'll never be. No, you're not. You've been lifted out of that. And he gave you a promise that sounds crazy, but everybody wants to do it. He said, you will mount up with wings as an eagle and soar above life circumstances. And you look up at God and say, no, that's just not possible. So I'm just going to stay right here in the muck, in the mud. And God says, let me increase your character so that you can begin to carry this revelation. So you can carry what God's telling you. Does that make sense? So the single greatest issue, put up that quote, please. The thing is, greatest issue becomes how do we increase our capacity to carry all that God is revealing it's so much easier to give up in life you're just going through things you know i'm just putting along through life and 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 you hit you know the biggest speed bump you've ever run into right i mean some of you have 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 lost spouses have lost children have been through financial difficulties that would make a strong man weep? I mean, you've been through some stuff and you didn't quit. Why? You've been through things you didn't understand. Why did you stay in those situations? And why did you realize at some point, rather than begging God to make your life comfortable, you said, God, show me what I need to learn because I need out of this. See, I don't want my life just to be comfortable. I want to learn what God has for me so that I can get to that place. When it comes time, I can rise up in power and authority based on what I've seen in heaven. See, I want to walk in that. You say, oh, pastor, you're just crazy. Yeah, well, listen, I might be crazy. But let me tell you something. If you need to build me a room with pads in it, go right after it. I don't care because I'm telling you, God is right, and every man will be found a liar. Well, amen. That wasn't that good? What's it mean to increase? By the way, it's throughout the Bible. It's throughout the Bible. Increase is throughout the Bible. It literally means to add to, but the, the, the nuance is from another's perspective. Proverbs chapter one. Do I have that in the notes, brother? Proverbs chapter one, verse five. I don't know if I, I, have, I have it in the notes I'm using. It's there? Praise the Lord. If you're on the U version, you got it, evidently. I don't. Sometimes, sometimes Jeremy makes me give it to me. Everybody go, oh. Yeah, you feel sorry for me. Jeremy stands at my office and peeks in. You got any notes yet? No. I don't know what God's going to say yet. Well, don't you write it down? I will when he talks. Leave me alone. Listen, you do not need my wisdom. Simple as that. You do not need that. You need to have what I believe God said. And I believe with all my heart. And I found it throughout the Bible. Increase means something is added to you generally through another person's perspective or another perspective. Look what it says. Just the first, just a, a wise man will hear. Listen, if you're wise and you're listening, you're listening to somebody else talk. Okay. You need to quit talking to yourself in some cases because some of you people, you're saying the wrong things to yourself. You're building a negative story, painting a picture that ends up with your demise at the end. Well, amen. A wise man will hear and increase. Something will be added to him in his learning based on the perspective of the person he's listening to. See, that's why it's so important that you quit listening to the world. I'm telling you, there are a lot of dumb people in the world. I'm just telling you right now, there are a lot of dumb people out there. And just turn the TV off. Well, how will I know? Why do you think you need to know what dumb people say? That's a serious question. Well, but I'll be uninformed. Well, good for you. Because the informer, the, the... information that you have is taking you down a road that produces anger frustration and difficulty in your life (laughs) when I always laugh when somebody says what do you think about the economy want me to tell you what I think of the economy God's economy is great he allows you to harvest where you didn't plant that's awesome He takes care. You say, oh, I just don't believe that. That's why you're not operating in it. He's not a respecter of individuals. Amen. Don't get me started on that. I don't know why you had to bring that up. So we're going to add to we get to take hopefully what God says or to see or to experience from his perspective. God is just awesome like that. And we're going to increase capacity, that's where we were last week, to the power to hold through conditions, state, and character. Listen to me. This is not an issue of self-confidence. This is not you saying, oh, well, this is what I want. Okay? Remember, when you're going through something, what you generally want is relief from the difficulty of what you're going through. Oh, God. Oh, God. You know, how many, how many, ever pray, how many prayed that way? You know, where you thought God was measuring the sincerity by your tears. Can I point out to you that in general, God isn't moved by your tears. Oh, he thinks I'm serious. No, he doesn't. He thinks you didn't trust him in what he said to you because you've got no reason to cry. Listen, when we get to heaven, there'll be no more tears. Let's start practicing now. You say, well, what does that mean? He promised to provide, take care of us, protect us, cover us. He promised. Let's do that. You say, well, but you don't, know, you don't know what goes on in my life. And you don't know what goes on in mine. And the choices that any of us have to make on a daily basis. To essentially ignore what we're going through. To accept what God says to us. See, you can go through some stuff. Right? Some of you are in situations you would have never. I didn't sign up for this. How many of you recognize that as my hair gets gray, that at some point you're gonna have somebody who doesn't have gray hair up here? I can sign up for this. In fact, honestly, in my calling, what I really want to do is preach my best message and fall over dead. Pam. <laughs> I never have, I don't want I don't want to change. I don't want to see some young person come in here and goof up everything I've worked so hard to do. (laughs) Come on, you think that way too. Many of you are in transitions in, you know, sorry, but this is a generational church. Some of you, your parents, and in some cases your grandparents, and in some cases your children, and your children's children, they're in the building. And they're going, man, I need grandpa to get out of the way. My boys do this to me all the time. I don't have the physical stamina. My boys threaten me regularly. I'm taking your ladder away from you. You don't need a ladder. Yes, I do. My wife doesn't want me on a ladder ever. Unless, of course, she needs me to do something that requires a ladder. I recognize my limitations. But I love my wife. So up and down the ladder I go. And it takes me every bit of a week to recover from two or three (laughs) trips up and down the ladder. I recognize my limitations. You see what I'm saying? And so now as we age, as we see the change, I wanna grab a hold of what God's trying to do and I wanna step out of the way the moment that God says, it's somebody else's turn. Am I gonna be comfortable with that? No, I'm not gonna be comfortable with that. I'm going to be secretly praying in their hearing loud enough for them to know what I think needs to be done. (laughs) No, I want the next guy to grow in capacity. I want them to grow in capacity. I want them to take this church to places I could never take them because they heard God's voice. Is that comfortable? Nope. In fact, I don't even like thinking about it. I have the capacity to lead now. I need to increase my capacity to know when not to lead. That's a change. Put up that second quote. Increasing capacity is to add the power to hold through condition and state care as seen by God. You're going to increase it through the perspective. We can go through and stand strong in areas way greater than what we give ourselves credit for. Well, if I had to go through what they went through, I'd just melt. No, you wouldn't. Don't plan to melt. Okay, that only happens in the Wizard of Oz. All right, so the idea of increasing capacity is not a new idea. It's throughout the Bible. I showed it to you in Proverbs 1. A wise man will hear and increase in learning. Okay, so my capacity is increased by receiving God's insight and perspective. When I read God's word, and rather than reading it through the ears of old knowledge, rather looking up into heaven and going, wow, I never saw it that way. I never saw it that way. See, that's perspective. God will show you those things through his word. So I showed you that. Then we're gonna turn over, if you would please, to the book of Malachi chapter three from what I'm gathering. These are the scriptures that are in your notes where it says, bring all the tithes into the storehouse that there may be food in my house. Now that's a literal thing, right? In the Old Testament, we brought the dead animals in, we sacrificed some of them, we'd had a heave offering so the preacher had something to eat and we had these, these other offerings to save, to save off to the side so we could feed strangers and poor people and all those kinds of things. It was literal. But we don't have that anymore. Now we have a spiritual thing. So we find out that there is spiritual substance or sustenance that comes, that's put in motion by the obedience that we have to God's word. And it brings food, literally spiritual ability or or spiritual uh, upholdingness that comes to you based on that. And it says, and try me now in this. He says, prove me. He says, test me now and see if. I will not open for you the windows of heaven. Now, pay attention. When you look up into heaven, if you think there's an American Express cash card up there, you've not seen heaven. Well, I just see money pouring out of heaven. Well, good luck with that, by the way. Now, I'm not opposed to prosperity, but you need to see it based on what God hid for you, not from you. You can trip over some stuff. I told you this story last week, but I'll reiterate it a little bit. Our missionaries from Australia, you were involved when they first went over there. And I believe we helped them buy either 400 or 600 English Bibles, English language Bibles. He's kept 300 and some of those. So that's about 400. Um, He's kept 300 of those because God never opened a door for him. But he got a call from an English-speaking island nation close to Australia. And the pastor there needed Bibles. And he said i've been waiting for that call he had the bibles hidden he had the provision he held it for a couple of years because god didn't tell him what to do with it until then and then all he had to do was to go put the ups stamp on it and send it on its way right he didn't have to go buy the bibles he had them god hid them so see if he won't open the windows of heaven God has opened up the windows of heaven and poured out abundance on you as an individual, on our church. You say, well, that abundance is, is money, right, pastor? Well, sometimes it shows up in that. But the abundance he's also given us, sometimes through the abundance of money, is the ability to, to send this all over the world, anybody who wants to listen to it or look at it. We're not, we're not good at it. It's just what he told us, right? He, he increased our capacity. I don't know how to pastor the people that are watching. I want to drive to their house, have a talk with them, see what they need, slap them when they need it, hug them when they, when Tracy wants to, <laughs> amen, amen. He said, see that I won't pour out such a blessing. It's the word that we get benediction from. It literally means a well-spoken or well-fitting word of blessing. What's he going to pour out? If he said, I'm going to pour out a blessing, what's he going to pour out? If it means a a fitting or a well-placed word, what's he going to pour out? He's going to pour his voice out. He would never ask you to do anything that he has not already made provision for you to do. Does That make sense? You can't give away what you don't have. So God will never ask you to do something that he hasn't prepared for you to do. But you may have to search for the hidden perspective of God because he'll speak it to you. He'll pour out a blessing. So God's increase is only limited by our capacity to receive his word. God's increase is only limited by our capacity to receive his word. That make sense? You say, nope, we're a little church, we don't deserve this. Deservedness never plays the role. Never. See, you'll talk yourself out of what God has for you by telling him you don't deserve it. I don't deserve his grace. Thank you that he ignored that little request. Right? He's poured his grace out on me. He's poured his mercy out on me. So many times. And I'm, I'm happy for it. Turn with me, if you will, to the book of Ephesians. Still trying to get you to see that throughout the Bible, there is talk of increase. He's going to increase you. And I, I chose the ones that are in there. Because sometimes the, the word for increase doesn't have the nuance of what Somebody says to you, right? So when, when a wise man hears, he increases in knowledge. That increase gives the implication of what's said. In this one, it gives the implication of, of the belief or the obedience that's there. Again, it's not a, I don't want you to see it as a works doctrine. I just want you to see it that it's above the regular faith stuff that God gives you because you're born again. That make sense? See, He gives you, because you're born again, the opportunity to be separated from sin. But you have to accept the work of Jesus Christ in your life to literally be free. He doesn't just magically do it. He asks you to accept it. But look at here in Ephesians chapter 3. It says, now to him who is able to do exceedingly, abundantly above all that we ask or think, according to the power that works in us. See, this idea of according to is this thing in us that says, here's the motion coming from a higher position down to a lower position. Here is the aim or the intent of God. Whatever you're asking God for within his word now, don't be a greedy, right? If, if you sow in greed, you will reap more greed sorry right he said no I gave money and I found that scripture where it says I get a hundredfold.' yay you way to go clap for you but you gave it in greed come on if you have a bill that's due or a need that you have can you quickly do a 10% offering for that if you have a $1,200 credit card bill that you can't pay, can you quick do the math in your head to figure out what kind of gift you think you need to give to get the hundredfold return so that you can get? <laughs> you understand that that's all, you're at the center of that. God's not at the center of that. Please don't do that greedy stuff. That's not how God's provision works. I know that some of you have heard messages like that, but just because somebody teaches something in error doesn't mean the truth isn't Right? Lots of air out there, but here's the truth. So he says he'll do exceedingly abundantly all that we ask or think. According to, indicating this idea that from somewhere above us comes this power that God is aiming at us. Now I want you to, I want you to see this. When God looks at you, he looks at you through the rose-colored sight of Jesus' sacrifice. Now, I've just recently gotten into firearms, and really, firearm, I have one, and, and, and I'm not good at it, but my, one of my sons bought me a sight, and when you turn the sight on, it has a little red dot in there, and if you'll put the red dot on whatever it is you want to hit, generally speaking, whatever you want to hit will be hit. That's the aim. So when God looks through the rose-colored glasses of Jesus, the red dot of God's son's sacrifice is on you. His aim is towards you. And you say, well, why would he pick me? That's what the psalmist said. Psalm chapter 8. What is man that you're mindful of him? Um, He's God's creation. God's intent for blessing is aimed towards you. I know you can go to all kinds of churches and they'll tell you. I don't get all crazy about that. You know that God wants to keep you humble. Man wants to keep you humble. Just talk about how God blesses you in the wrong crowd. And there'll be people who tell you that God doesn't do those kinds of things. Well, amen. But I believe God has an aim on us. To do exceedingly abundantly above anything we could ask or think. You've got to ask or think, right? His ways are higher. He thinks higher than us. It doesn't mean it can't be found out. It means we have to ascend to it. So when we think properly, we'll think like God. The mind of Christ scripture. Are you all tracking with me? Are we together? And so you begin to see these things. God is aiming at us. And his aim is not in question. But we question whether or not he would target us. Will he target me? Why not? Honestly, in your head right now, answer why God wouldn't target you to give you his best. You come up with something you've done. How lowly you are. What you know you shouldn't have in your life. God wouldn't target me because I still have this thing and I've been struggling with this thing for years, right? People put verbal accents on things that they're really, you know, oh, you can't believe how hard this is. Amen. I'm gonna show that to you today. Here's, I'm I'm gonna get you through this. Are you ready? First Thessalonians chapter four. I'm gonna take you right through this chapter or through this area here. And I wanna show you using words of increase. How God does exceedingly abundantly beyond when you cooperate with what his intent is. Okay, he'll do this. Look at this. Verse number one. 1 Thessalonians four. Did you all find it? Say amen. amen. Finally then brethren. We urge or we beg and we exhort. We say with the most encouraging strong words we can. That you should abound more and more. What did he just say? He said, fine, I want you to get this. I want you to increase more and more and more. I'm begging you to understand this. Just as you receive from us how you ought to walk and please God. Notice he compares the two things, but he doesn't call them the same. See, just as you received how to walk, you received that instruction and to please God. See, that's the basic stuff he says, I want you to increase more and more. So here he goes. Ready? Verse 3. For this is the will of God. Your sanctification. Your separation is the will of God. You are to be separated from the very things that cause you to sin and cause you to struggle. Your sanctification. Now notice what it says here. And maybe if you're a Bible underliner, just underline, okay? That you should abstain. Notice God didn't say, I'm going to stop. This from ever being in your eyesight again. He said, you do this. How do you do that? You get the word from heaven that this is no longer healthy for you and you see the way God sees. This is the will of God, your sanctification. You should abstain from sexual immorality. Look at this, verse four. That each of you should know how to possess his own vessel. I'm always amazed when people act like sin is something that snuck up to them and jumped on their back. You've been bought with a price, 1 Corinthians chapter 6, verse 20 says, Therefore glorify God in your body and your spirit, which are God's. See, he wants you to abstain from that and learn how to, through the purchase price, how to own your own flesh, your own vessel. You have authority in you. You don't have to go down that road. Well, I just couldn't help myself, Pastor. Hockey puck. You could help yourself. You made the choice to go there. It was an educated choice. Come on, the same way. I, I use these examples all the time because all of you have a magic number in your speedometer brain that says cops don't pull you over and give you a ticket. Okay, three, four miles an hour, five, six, seven miles an hour. You pick the number, you have it already, and they they won't pull you over for that. You literally make a decision how much you can sin. And I don't care what you drive, but this is an easy one because we all do it. You you decide how much you can sin ahead of time. And you consider the new law, right? It's not 65, is it? The new law is 69. 69. You made it up. You know how to possess your own body. You made a law unto yourself. You do it all the time. So do I. Well, God will forgive me. Really. So your plan is to go against God because He's so for you that He'll forgive you. Is that? Am I understanding it right? Yeah, yeah. You make a plan to go against what you know is God's will for you because you also know that he'll forgive you or has already forgiven you through Jesus Christ. Man, that's a perfect world. You can live however you want. You can just live willy-nilly in the sloppy grace of your theology. Got to possess your own vessel in sanctification, in that separation. There are some things that you have to have the faith to not do. Skip down, if you would, please. Verse number nine. Uh, You know, possess his own vessel. This is verse number four and five. And possess his own vessel in sanctification honor, not in passion of lust like the Gentiles who do not know God. Can I point out to you that when you got born again, you got a new set of built in instructions inside of you? You have a new set of moralities that teach you right and wrong. Not because what's right and what's wrong, but because of what's honoring to God. You separate or sanctify your body because it honors God. You're going to hear that next week. I'm going to talk you a little bit more about that. I'm going to show you how God has to increase your faith so that you can operate in forgiveness on a regular basis. And so that you can understand how it is to deal with offense. It's in the Bible. Next week, please come back. Although, you know... Sometimes I look at the church and, and see where people are supposed to be sitting and they're not here. And I think, man, I might have chased them off with this one. Verse number nine. But concerning brotherly love, I have no need that I should write to you. For you yourselves are taught by God to love one another. Man, this, he's talking to this church in this area and saying, man, you guys are knocking it out of the park. This is great. You love each other. Middle of verse 10, it says, but we urge you, brethren, that you What? increase cool what's he want us to increase with the love of God let's keep reading look what he wants us to increase in that you also aspire to lead a quiet life you will increase your capacity I'm sure do I have quotes associated with all of this I don't think I do okay I didn't want to miss it and i was just preaching it out of my out of my inspiration here so he wants you to lead a quiet life He wants you to mind your own business. (laughs) Isn't it funny that our capacity to be gracious is minimized by our ability to see sin in other people's lives? Come on, how many have seen a homeless person? Well, they just need to get a job. I mean, like today, get a job. And get rid of the dog. Those are my two things, right? That I don't know why. I do know why now, but I didn't used to know why. <laughs> he says that you lead a quiet life and mind your own business and work with your own hands. You know what he just told you? Be quiet, stop being a busybody, and quit stirring somebody else's pot. Look at verse 12, that you may walk properly toward those who are outside. Do you see it? He commended them for their love for each other. Man, we're all in the Christian camp here. We're in the the social club of Christianity, yay us. And he says, oh, and by the way, I want you to increase in your love towards people who aren't like you. People who aren't in your club. And that you may lack nothing. Wow. So he wants us to increase in understanding how to mind our own business, how to live a quiet life, how to quit stirring everybody else's pot so that he can increase us to the place that we lack nothing. I don't know how you see this exactly, but can I point out to you that if God says you lack nothing, that's kind of a serious deal. If you had everything that God had for you I'm thinking it'd be awesome. If you say, oh yeah, if I just had enough money. No, that may not be just it. If you had the love for others that God had for you, if you had the patience in your life circumstance that God has for you, if you had the joy in your circumstances that you go through when you don't want to smile or lift your shoulders up or lift your head up, if you had that, and on and on it goes. That's why John the Baptist said in John chapter 3, verse thirty. I must decrease. You see it? This is so counterintuitive to us. We want to increase. He, John the Baptist, he, he figured this out. You know, We know just kind of from history and from our understanding, this is like, like Jesus' first cousin. And, and so if anybody knew whatever Jesus might have done as a cousin while you're thinking about human stuff, you would think, but remember, Jesus never sinned. So the only thing Jesus would have caused his cousin to do was to struggle with his perfection as he grew in wisdom and stature with God and men. He, he wasn't hiding his sin because he was 12. He never sinned. He said, I've got I've to decrease so he can increase. This is so counterintuitive that we really have to apply God's presence in us to do it. It's impossible for you as an individual to decrease because your whole survival instinct is about you increasing. Everything you do is about you increasing and surviving. So here's your last quote as, as the music team moves. Increased capacity is direct, directly related to our decrease, surrendering more and more unto Him. That's how it works. I'm going to show that to you next week through several scriptures. And then I'm going to preach a message after that about how the enemy uses questions of distraction to get you off your journey. And then we'll probably be done. Maybe. Amen. Stand with me, would you please? Father, we want to increase in your capacity. We want to be able to see all that you have for us. We want to be able to process your perspective in our life. We really are trying to get our mind and our, 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 our intellect around the idea of personal decrease so that you might increase. Help us, Lord God, in every aspect of our lives, how we th- think secretly how our heart has those darkened areas of cancerous thought in us that need to be surgically removed by the Spirit of God. Help us, Lord God, to stop protecting those areas. Help us, Father, to learn the sweet surrender of decrease because of the awesome power of your increase. In Jesus' name, amen and amen. Thank you for listening. To subscribe to our podcast, search New Life Eckley in all of the major podcasting apps. Audio and video of our sermons are posted at newlifeeckley.com slash live, and you can watch Sermon Slices weekdays on social media. Search at New Life Eckley. Our main service is at 10 a.m. Mountain Time every Sunday. Thanks for listening.